When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it's Noor. And did you know, Real, that I was on hiatus for almost two weeks? Really? Yeah. No podcast at all? Well, uh, I think the last episode I did was almost two weeks ago, yes. How do you feel about that? How, well, how do you feel about that? How did you enjoy your time off? Uh, when you have to record a podcast, is there anxiety or are you excited? What's your... Um mental health like before podcasts thank oh, you i'll fine. take my answer offline <laughs> what do you mean you're gonna take your answer offline it's a thing to you say asked a question online and yeah, i know it's a thing no you hang up on the sports radio shows <laughs> yeah but this is not sports radio anyway um no i don't have anxiety recording but you know i needed to take a break because i wasn't watching any bravo there's a lot going on in the world these days i don't know you've you've not been here you were, Raheel. I was. I was closer. You were. I you was. Were, I was in there. You were there. I was is it, there. Is this huh? your fault? Is this what? Your fault? No, it started a day before. I think it started two days before I went. Yeah. And um, my coworkers were like, "Well, they know. They know that you're coming." So oh, no. To... Yeah. Listen, jokes, jokes, jokes on a dark time. On yeah. many of people's. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yeah, I didn't record for a little while because I uh, I wasn't in the mood to be watching Bravo. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of dark stuff happening, so I just like makes needed sense. a break. Huh? Mm-hmm. Makes yeah, sense. I said that right? makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So for I was just the like, record, yeah, I have a lot of anxiety before we record. You do? I'm, I, oh my god! I'm Is that what you I'm asked? Always, I'm always that, wishing that we that we. Is that uh, usually how you ask that. questions? Like you ask somebody a question, but you like you don't actually care about their answer. You're just like waiting for them to finish, and then maybe you're hoping that they'll ask you back. So, like whatever you just said in the last five seconds, I didn't hear any of it because <laughs> I'm just thinking about myself. That's usually just how I go through life. Just <laughs> narrow-minded like, and focused on what I like. Need. When when other, somebody else is talking, there's just like a monkey with the sim- with symbols, just like quack, 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 yeah, exactly. like slapping it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a donkey. Um, <laughs> well, that's what happens when you're. That's not what listening. happens. You said monkey. I heard donkey. <laughs> what? Why would a donkey have symbols? Anyways, yes, that's exactly what. So I know it? what I want to talk about. Um, okay. And then the rest of the time is just whatever. Yeah. Um. So you were traveling. You were all over the world. I was traveling. You Big. went halfway around the world. Mm-hmm. Then you. T- went a quarter way back and then you came yes. back <laughs> that's um, it that's my trip that was your trip do you want to tell the people about your trip i feel like i have to yeah with that kind of question i think i kind of have to yeah i think uh, that yes. that was me politely asking you but also telling you <laughs> yeah exactly 
Um, yeah, it was my first vacation in a long time. It was my first time out of the country in 18 years. But it truly was like my my first non-working vacation in 18 years where I didn't have like I didn't have to log into work or check my emails and stuff like that, right? And it took me a while to get adjusted to that. So yeah. like so you know on like Monday and Tuesday I was like keeping an eye on emails. And I was like emailing my boss and stuff. And he just replied back. He's like, why are you emailing me? <laughs> Shut it off. I don't, I don't need to see any emails. We got it. I was like, okay. But it's because I have, um, you know, low self-esteem and my workmanship. And I'm worried I'm going to get fired all the time. No. <laughs> I just, I, I've always just worked. And that's just how I work. So yeah. it's hard to turn off. But yeah. I a lot of anxiety there. A lot of anxiety. Well, so that's the thing, right? So that's. Like the places that I visited were great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was all, you know, and I'm sure we, we're going to get into that. But for me personally, it was more of just, hey, how do I operate outside of the life that I know? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, how do I interact with people? What kind of a person am I oh in the God. world? Like, what am I, what kind of person am I to like wow. strangers and stuff like that? Goodness. Uh, so that was, that was really, you know, nice and rewarding and fun and introspective and all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. Nobody thinks I... I'm 40, by the way. Everybody is shocked when I'm 40. It's oh, because. It well, I think it's because I have the childlike wonderment of an imbecile. Like, <laughs> I'm just happy go lucky, no just care in the world. Wide eyed, bushy tailed wow. idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just a moron going through the world, just happy, <laughs> smiling at people. You yeah. seem like you would be primed for, to be taken. You are primed I... to be taken. You know, I would be primed to be taken, but I feel like, I feel like I could win over my kidnappers. I'd just talk to them. I'd be like, hey, guys, what's going on? Guys, oh, yes, no, I understand the situation. I am kidnapped. I am your hostage. I get that. But have you guys seen anything good on Netflix recently? You guys want to talk about that? We're waiting for the money to come in. Well, I feel like you are, uh, I feel like you're somebody who is, you know, I think you're, you're uh painfully empathetic to people like i think mm-hmm. that you are always like well i'm sure there's a reason why somebody's a piece of shit right like <laughs> you're always e- you know i like to call myself as a woke person i like to call myself don't laugh a radical empath <laughs> <laughs> wait i'm not gonna laugh i'm just i'm astounded by the by by, by the lie of it. You're not radical empath. <laughs> by my audaciousness? Yes. I try to be. I try to be no, empathetic I... to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am all often, you know, um, uh, pushed down by my own rage and bias because I am, <laughs> after all, our father's daughter. And hey. so, what? Throw the poor guy under the bus. I mean, I get <laughs> it. A, you're not he wrong. He had a temper. He had a temper. Yeah, he I have a temper. temper too. It is what it is. Okay. <laughs> but um, you are very empathetic to people. But uh, but your empathy requires also like peopling, and you love to people. Yeah. And I am not a peopler. I people like crazy, and I'm yeah. sure it's exhausting to people to certain people. Um, but in my travels. The people that I met, I had like some like crazy conversations that are not normal conversations for like a 30 second interaction. Right. Like (laughs) and I know that that's just kind of what happens whenever I talk to people over here also. Um, 
I don't I'm laughing how- because I'm thinking about how the very start of your trip started with <laughs> being handed a palm full of pills by a stranger. Uh, and you were like, okay. Well, <laughs> so that stranger came up to me while I was waiting for my flight uh, at JFK. And he said, hey, I have another, I, I can bring an extra person into this lounge with me. And I was like, oh. And he's like, do you want to come? I was like, yeah, sure. So I went into the lounge with him. And then I just started talking to him about like my trip and his trip, uh, what we were going there for. And um, so I was doing this thing. So I went to Mecca in Medina yeah. for Umrah. I'm, I'm telling you this like you don't know. Like I haven't been sending No, you. obviously we pretend like there's an audience here, Raheel. That's the whole point of the podcast, <laughs> Jesus Christ. After my trip, I refuse with this facade anyways so i told him and one of the things that i was doing before i went because one of the things that you're supposed to do in mecca is you're supposed to pray for people and like Mm -hmm. you know make dua and stuff like that so one of the things like as i was telling people i was like hey if there's anything you want me to pray for then just let me know so the guy's like i love that and then he told me what he wanted me to pray for so i prayed for that uh at the trip and he's like this was amazing i can't believe the conversation that we had do you have trouble sleeping on the plane and i said yes i do (laughs) And he's like, well, I have melatonin. This is noon. And I hadn't really slept the night before. So I was mm-hmm. hoping that I was just going to you know, take it and be good. And so I took 12 milligrams of melatonin. And mm-hmm. usually 5 to 10 knock me out. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, this did not knock me out. And I was up the entire time. Did he not give you something else? Uh, oh, yes. He gave me something, some sort of something magnate phosphate something i don't know oh oh uh magnesium phosphate or something i think it loosens up your butthole i think that's yeah (laughs) is it really is that what whippets are no no do you know what poppers are yeah it does not loosen up your butthole i know something loosens up your butthole poppers i just found out poppers loosen up buttholes yes it gets it makes your uh makes you prime for the taken if you need to be anyway you were given a whole bunch of questionable pills. You took this man's wish. You prayed for him. Did you pray for him? I did. I had a whole document. I know did you I had the you? document. I know you. Yeah. You sent. Uh, you sent me a screenshot. Now you sent me a a video, a screen recording of you scrolling through the document, and it was a mm-hmm. list of all the prayers that people have given you. Yeah. And you would not know who I am if you thought that I did not slowly scroll through that video and try to read what every single person was praying for. Did you really? That's messed up. I was like, ooh, let me get the tea. It's so messed up. It's so messed up. First of all, I don't even... I have a question. Do you think prayers work like birthday wishes where if you tell somebody, then it doesn't come true? Well, it's interesting to me that you believe that that's how birthday wishes work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't say your birthday wish out loud when you blow the candle. Uh, Okay. No, I think prayers work kind of like that. I think if it, I do kind of believe in manifestation a little bit. Is okay, look I at you. Now? Yeah, you went to the Mirage once okay. and then you went to Umrah once. And then now you're like, I believe in, you're going to ask me what time I was born. <laughs> I've been at the Mirage twice and I'm going again a third time this Saturday. In case anybody wants to take poppers and uh, <laughs> check out my... Anyways um prayers are like manifestation yeah so i do believe that if you are like really asking for something you're just you're also going to keep yourself open to like looking at signs and stuff like that yeah 
I got, you know, I, I don't know. I, obviously, I'm we're spiritual, so we do believe in God, and we do believe that everything kind of comes from Him or her. Them, them, they. Um, but I, I do believe that. And I, I, I think I like praying. Do you like praying? Yeah, I love praying. I think, I think if you pray for something, if you and if you keep praying for it, at the very least, I think practically what it does is it makes you more aware of the fact that that's something that you really want. So you mm -hmm. change your kind of your behavior a little, a little bit so that it kind of works out that way. And then yeah. if it does happen, then you're like, oh, see, I prayed to God and my prayers were answered. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing with manifesting. Manifesting mm -hmm. is also essentially the same thing where like you really, really put your mind to a thing that you really want. And then you like you you like remove the blocks in your own mind that would keep you from getting that thing. I don't pray for things like that. Like I don't pray yeah. when and I think everybody's way of praying is personal to them and there's no right or wrong way to pray. But for me personally, prayer is more. um a way for me to clear my mind. I still use it more like meditate meditatively. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't pray for things to change or for pray, pray for things to happen like outside of me. What yeah. I pray for is for myself to accept whatever it is that the, that the world like hands me. Exactly. So for me, the way, like the, the times that prayer has felt the most personal, like when I've actually like really wanted something and really asked for something. Um, and the way that that's reflected in real life is that it makes me look at what I want in a different way. It makes me look at, you know, look at the thing that I want in a different, at a different angle. So yeah. like at some point I really was, you know, I was praying for one thing to happen. Like I really wanted somebody to be very healthy. Mm -hmm. and um in like and i was like i'll do anything for that to happen for that mm -hmm. person to be as healthy as possible right and uh it was like the second after i got done praying what i realized was that okay you've asked for the thing that you want but there's also nothing that you can actually do in this situation to make that person healthy right that mm -hmm. person is in the hands of the people that can make them healthy, that person has the best medical care possible. Mm -hmm. Your job, if you actually want to, you know, be a part, like a positive part of this situation, is to be there for the people that need support. That's your yeah. only job. That is how you help. So, yeah. And that happened right after I was praying for the thing, right? So, I mean, it could just be like a neurological thing because, mm -hmm. you know, you're praying really hard and you're kind of remembering a time that you were safe and like a kid and you had your parents like watching mm -hmm. that over you or whatever and it just clears your mind yeah so you can just think more clearly i think that's basically how it works that's how it works for me in the past. yeah i don't think of prayer as like a, a birthday wish or um or like a genie and a, a lamp. shooting star a shooting star i don't believe in stuff like that i mean if you do hey good for you i hope it's working for out you. for you yeah, but that's not is... the way i pray so you sound like you had a real eat, pray, love trip. You had, I really did. You had the I praying. Went. You started off with eating uh, questionable drugs from a person yes. that you, a handsome stranger that you a met. A very handsome stranger. Did you share? Now, you, as we've discussed before, never exchange any contact information from these people. So that's this one. We did exchange contact information uh, mm -hmm. because he wanted my number. And also, okay. I had to know the name of the person that I was praying for. Sure. Um, name, fine. Yes. And then also, I sent him a screenshot after I prayed for him. Um, 
So that happened. But I haven't been in contact with him since then. Okay. Well, he was very handsome. Very handsome. Do you think that he was hitting on you? I don't think so. I think he was just a like a really nice spiritual dude. Okay. You know, as a woman, I don't believe in that. Why? You're just I don't really believe in nice guy. people. Nice people or nice men, especially. I feel Let's like there's a there's like a, a, hidden, a, a hidden, hidden agenda. agenda. Yeah. Would you call yourself a radical empath? Is that, <laughs> you, is that the lie that you told? <laughs> it's that a lie that I tell myself all the time. <laughs> I try to be empathetic, but I am uh, a radical asshole. So <laughs> that's probably more accurate. Okay. So you did your uh, spiritual journey and then you went to London. Yes. So uh, the spiritual journey was, I mean, I don't know how into Islam we want to get into, but like. We don't have to. Okay. All right. Fine. Don't. No. um, Message received. No, no, no. Received. No, no, no. Um, Do you feel. um, Do you feel like you are. Because, you know, you and I have talked a lot about how. Like, especially, like, over the summer, we were talking Mm -hmm. about, like, people hijacking our religion and all the ways that we felt about it and how you and I have discussed how when we when we see people who are, like, overly religious, it actually pulls us really far away from the religion. You were in, like, the most spiritual place Islamically that you can be. Did you feel like all the noise that we have to deal with, like, on a day-to-day basis, like, being Muslims in America or, like, trying to just, like, raise families and stuff. Do you feel like that noise was gone while you were in your travels, especially when you were in Mecca and Medina? So with Mecca, right, Mecca is the Umrah, which is, you know, like, the pilgrimage or whatever. Baby Hajj. Um, baby, baby Hajj, yeah. So before you go, right, so one of the things that I wanted to make sure was that you know, we've done umrahs, we've done probably like 25 umrahs in our life. Um, mm-hmm. But it was all when we were growing up in, mm-hmm. in uh, Saudi Arabia, because it was right there. And you could go like multiple times, uh, you know, during the year. And I, I've probably done a lot, right? So in the back of my head, I was like, I've already done this, right? This was different, because it's the first time in 28 years. And it is one that I did myself, and I was paying for it and all of those things, right? So I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I want to make sure that I don't like skimp out on any of the stuff. And that includes like being present. And also like, I'm not going to half-ass any of like the, like the procedural stuff that you have to do for prayer. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, I went through, you you know, you, you change and stuff in, uh, I changed in Egypt, which by the way, this is as an aside, I don't know if we have any Egyptian listeners or not, but Cairo airport is a motherfucking nightmare. It is the (laughs) worst. Just please never, ever fly through Cairo airport. Anyways, <laughs> so when you say you had to change, let's just tell people what that means. So when mm-hmm. you're going on Umrah, you get to a certain like there's like a almost like a a distance a that you a boundary, yeah. yeah, that you get close to the Holy Land for Muslims, and then you have to make your intention. And when you make your intention, you also have to change into. Uh, you'll see if you ever see uh, images of Muslims doing Hajj, men are often wearing like almost a toga. It's like a towel toga. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to change into that. Yeah. Sure. What? Aiden called it a BC. A BC. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said, real. he said that you look like a BC man or a person <laughs> from BC. Speaking of, I think they're screaming in the background. Hold on. Let me tell them to shut up. I told them to take their riffraff elsewhere. Yeah. 
They were laughing, right? Yeah. Good. So yeah, so you have to change into the toga. Yeah. Before and you have to make your intentions known. So mm-hmm. that kind of starts putting you into the mood. Um, and then I landed in Jeddah, and uh, I got off the airplane, and the heat hit me, and I was like, I can't believe we used to live here. I can't believe we used to live in this. I know. Although, although I guess Jeddah was always a little bit hotter than Riyadh, but I was like, I yeah. can't. I was like, how did we survive? This is crazy. Right. Um, and then I went straight to Mecca. I checked into my hotel, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go. I gotta get this first one done because I wanted to do two of them. Uh-huh. Um. And the procedure, like if you read like the, you know, like the process or whatever, they tell you not to make eye contact with the Kaaba, which is the black cube. Which the is, black you know, stone. <clears throat> no, the black stone is within the Kaaba, please. Okay, I'm Muslim, so sorry. As I'm a so Muslim sorry. Uh, fresh from the Umrah, you have offended me, sister. <laughs> Shut up. Don't call <laughs> me sister. <laughs> um. So they tell you to like avoid making eye contact with it or like try not to see it as you're walking through the mosque until you are kind of directly in the path of it. Right. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll do that. Right. It's not it's just it's not like a requirement or anything. It's just a suggestion type of deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. And you're already feeling it. like at this point, I'm like, okay, wow, I'm in Mecca. I know what I'm here for. I'm already feeling it. And then you kind of walk to like the like the main part, like the center, and you look up and I was this was like probably noon or one o'clock or something like that. And the image is it's like a fully immersive experience. Like, you know, in the moment it was one hundred percent. I felt all of it. Now there are probably a couple of reasons for that. There is something to like the perfection of the cube and yeah. like the cleanliness of the mosque and kind of just how clean they keep everything and how everything kind of smells like they do they go above and beyond to make sure that the actual mosque experience that of uh, or the actual omar experience within the mosque is very it goes really really well for the for the for the pilgrims right so it's perfectly air conditioned all of those things and you see the thing and you see the thing you see the kaaba and like the reason why you're there and all those things kind of all hit you at once Mm-hmm. And it is very, it's overwhelming, right? Oh, man. Now, it's extremely overwhelming. It's probably the most it's... overwhelming experience I've I've had. But also, I haven't been on Avatar the Ride. Which oh, I my God. I was, Raheel, oh, my God. I literally, what the hell? I was literally just really? going to ask you, would you compare it? How would you compare it to the flight of the passage at the Avatar ride at Disney's Animal Kingdom? That, that is amazing. <laughs> We're both going to hell. We really are. And which is a shame because I just paid a lot of money. <laughs> uh, well, the, the closest really I fun. can. <laughs> <laughs> the closest thing to it was probably watching The Dark Knight on IMAX in uh, like the opening weekend. <laughs> so much. Terrible. It's terrible. Anyway, sounds amazing. Yeah, so and then you do the Umrah, and the thing about Makkah is it has like kind of like a Disney energy, I would describe, not to stay on like the Disney theme, but <laughs> the entire town is basically about this one thing, right? The entire town is the like the economy of, of Makkah is all centered around pilgrims and all, yeah. and all that stuff, right? So you 
you're grateful for it kind of because of how easy it makes it for you. At the same time, you know, the workers in the, in that part of the world, you yeah. can't, you can't deny that they're all brown people. You know, mm-hmm. these are all migrant workers. This is like the stuff that was coming up during FIFA and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Every single laborer I saw there was Indian, Pakistani or Bangladeshi. Mm-hmm. And the people in charge, the like the middle management is all Arabs. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those things like growing up, we knew about it. We were like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times that these people have jobs that they really haven't earned and mm-hmm. they're really not taking their jobs fully on. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing that and then also, to be fair, I had not slept. I was on melatonin and I had watched Andor on the flight and over. Poppers. And oh, poppers. and Andor, yes. Oh, and Andor. Andor is so so I was already thinking of like the plight of the working man or whatever. And the empire. So, <laughs> and the empire and all those things. And, you know, you see like people wearing uniforms and stuff like that. And it messes you up a little bit because you are, you do realize that, okay, all of these things that my, my, my experience is really, really easy right now. And I see people that look like me that are essentially made up of the same stuff that I'm made of having to work and they're working so that my experience is easier. Yeah. Right. And there's also like the hotel that I was staying at, it didn't cost a lot. It costs like 250 bucks for a night, which mm-hmm. is okay for me because I was just going to stay there one night. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like the height of luxury. And it's mm-hmm. crazy because like all these people are working kind of for me. And yeah. then also during like lunchtime and stuff, you'd see people line up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they could, because they like, uh, they give out food that way to like the workers yeah. and stuff like that. And I was thinking about that versus like my experience, which is just because everything is like cashless and like, you know, all card or whatever. I was just, I was going around just waving my card and just buying shit. Right. So in the middle of my Umrah, I started to feel bad about that. Like I started yeah. to feel bad about that situation. Right. Um, but then I did my second Umrah. And I was like, okay, I'm done with Makkah. I was really grateful that I was there. I really, I highly recommend the experience to everybody. But I was done with it. So then I went to Medina, which is the second city, right? Mm-hmm. Before I got to Medina, let me just point out, the railway, the high-speed railway in Saudi Arabia is the greatest public transportation I have ever taken. This is very exciting stuff for um, our listeners, many of whom are not Muslim and will never get to experience this. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're just stuck here on the NJ Transit, like chumps. Oh, here's what will excite you. So, you know, there were women working. Huh? How about that? The females. (laughs) Hey, hey, this will excite you. There's some broads. We had some broads working at Makkah. I'll point this out. So, It did not happen. That did not happen 30 years ago. That did not happen when when we were growing up. Yeah. And the broads working. The broads. The ladies. The ladies working were awesome at their jobs because they were all like front desk and like customer service and stuff. Compared <laughs> a little to, like, condescending the way you're saying it. <laughs> what do you want? This is the ladies. They were working well. And also I point out, I've, I saw two ladies with tattoos in Mocha. How about that? Yeah, working the front desk. I was like, okay. All right. Okay. Listen, I think, okay. Can you tell, okay, tell everybody quickly about Medina and then I want to talk to you about something because I think this will transition into what we do have to spend a little bit of time talking about today, which is what's going on in Israel and Palestine. But sure. tell us about Medina. 
Medina, I can't describe it. It's like it like the peacefulness. And why did you go to Medina? What was the significance uh, Medina, of Medina? So the significance of Medina is the religion started in Mecca, and then the prophet had to move to Medina because he was banished from Mecca. So mm-hmm. the religion really kind of blossomed in Medina. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a couple of big mosques there, and the prophet's buried there. So you go there and you pray. And um, the feeling in Medina is just... 100% common peace. It's oh, it's like man, peace nice. like I was like did I just take five bong hits? What what's going on? Like I can't <laughs> describe it. It's amazing. It was your handsome stranger's pills kicking in. It was finally you're, you're like, hours. You're like, "Oh my release. god, my butthole is so loose." <laughs> Come on, man. That's the holy city. What's wrong with you? You can't, hey, some people hold their tension in their butthole. It's fine. That's true too. Yeah. Well, so that was it. Then I got on a plane. I went to London, and so I was feeling all this like peace and like love and all this stuff, right? You know what brought me out? What? I in London. I was like, oh, you know what? Let me see what's going on with the world in America. Oh. And the first thing that I said was, "Will and Jada, what the fuck?" (laughs) (laughs) You know, a fun fact is that because I didn't record for the last two weeks, Mm -hmm. I just was like. I think this is a story I'm just going to skip. I just don't think I care. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to talk about all of the other unrest that's going on in this country right now. No, what matters to me is that they were (laughs) divorced for seven years and he still slapped Chris Rock. Separated. Stop. (laughs) They're still legally married. Stop. Anyway, um, yeah, apparently she wrote a book. A lot of of celebrities writing books these days. Did you see Britney Spears' book is out today? Oh, is it out? Yeah. And uh, yes, I've I've seen and, excerpts of that. Okay, we will I'm gonna table it. If we have time at the end, I wanna play you a, a clip from it because it's an audiobook, strangely not done by Britney Spears. Britney Spears only did the prologue of the audiobook. Uh-huh. The rest of it reveal. I want you to guess the celebrity who did the audio for the Britney Spears biography. Can I hear it and then guess, or do no. you want me to guess? Mm-mm. That? I want you to just guess it. I'm going to give you a hint. It's a, um, a 1990s television star who blossomed, whose career blossomed in the 2000s as an. Uh, uh, she's now a very like awarded, well respected uh, actress. Michelle Williams. Huh? Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> Yeah. You would look that up. I knew that right away. That's amazing. See? Umrah works, you guys. <laughs> first of all, you first of all, I think you have psychic abilities. First with the avatar. Work. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, um we'll get to it. But um I wanted to ask you because so you know, uh, everything that's going on in Israel Palestine is mm-hmm. horrible. Absolutely terrible. I've ta- I talked about it in my last episode that I did. I I touched on it briefly with a van from best week ever. And I want to talk about it again a little bit today, just because I don't, I think it's important to talk about like how we talk about these things. Um, But the thing I wanted to ask you is like, you were in Saudi Arabia, right? Which is like Mm -hmm. uh, the place where you and I were born. It is like one of the most well-known Muslim countries in the entire world. You would see the most powerful Muslim country in the world, right? Probably. One of the the most powerful countries in the world, right? Yeah. And it is a theocratic ethnostate. Okay. Hold on. Let me Google what that means. (laughs) 
put it together? Yeah. We know from living there, if, even if you're born there, yep. it does not matter. You don't get citizenship. You are a second class. Uh, like we did not have, we don't have Saudi passports. What? The migrant workers that I'm talking about. The migrant exactly workers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The yeah. migrant workers. We know that there is a, you know, even though those migrant workers are all Muslims, they're still second class citizens, sometimes third class citizens. Their passports are held up while they are living there and working there. And if you don't, you know, if you get in trouble, if you get arrested, whatever, like you get kicked out of the country. You don't have a, like, even though, like, I want to go back to Saudi Arabia at some point because I do want to get that feeling of home, of like my roots, even though my roots mm -hmm. aren't technically from there. But to me, it feels that way, right? Because I was born there and I lived there until I was 10. I think the reason why I bring this up is because a lot of the discussion with Israel and Palestine, it gets, uh, you know, there's like, there's, there's obviously there's like the religious aspect of it. And then there is the aspect of like, this is the land where my people come from. This is the land yeah. where I belong. And the reason why I bring up the idea of a theocratic ethnostate is because in theory, that's what Israel is meant to be for the Jewish population of the world. Exactly. It, yeah. it is the only like, and I always say this every single time, like, you know, we all grew up like we grew up obviously with the Muslim Arab perspective. We grew up more listening to the Palestinian side of things. So we've known about a lot of the uh, suffering that has happened in the Palestinian community. And for, for the most part, for most Muslims, when you think about Jews, they don't think about Middle Eastern Jews. They don't think about Asian Jews. They don't think about African Jews. They only think about European Jews or white Jews. Like yeah. Judaism to most people, especially most people in the Muslim community, is viewed as a Western thing. It's it's yeah. identified with Europeans, Right. But something I always bring up is that yes, the Europe, the Europeans, the British, and the and the Americans decided to give this, the create the state of Israel, mm -hmm. so that they had a place to put the European Jews that were suffering, that had suffered through the Holocaust, survived the Holocaust, and been through a you know a number of atrocities, all this death they didn't want to take them into their own country so then they created israel and they put them there but the thing that people always forget is like morocco iran iraq yemen all these middle eastern countries had a jewish population and all of those jews yeah. finally had a place to go even people in eastern europe even people in russia they didn't have a place to go because the countries that they belonged to had always treated them like second-class citizens. And yep. I bring this up because us, me and you, growing up in a country that was Muslim, where technically we should have the access to the, and we did have access to a lot of stuff, like our parents were pretty well off and we were very privileged in the way that we lived. And we had access to all the holy sites and all that stuff, but we weren't, we didn't have citizenship we didn't have the things that like in america we talk about like human rights like like health care access to education like those things that are required to exist in a society we didn't have access to that for free um so i bring this up because i not that i am a radical empath but i empathize with the idea that like you they didn't have anywhere to go and then there was finally a country for them to exist in where they were finally going to be treated as the priority because the rest of the world never prioritized them as important people in fact they persecuted them right yeah and, and you know i just did like 
10 minutes on what it felt like to be in Mecca and yeah. how that made me feel internally and how real that all that felt, right? I can't think that, you know, I, I imagine the experience for a Jewish person visiting the Wailing Wall yep. has to be exactly the same, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, yep. And their experiences colored by a lot of bloodshed that has been spilled by their ancestors that, you know, a lot of killings that were done to their ancestors. So I'm sure, you know, when they go visit and remember those people, it's got to be an incredibly overwhelming experience, right? So yeah, you know, it's as much as, you know, it's just like a land dispute as much as you're just like, well, it's just real estate. It's not that, mm -hmm. you know, even though it's 2023 and we can be logical about all of this stuff, right? And we can say, well, why don't you just move to Trenton, right? Or something like that. But that's not, that's not real, right? It is for people of faith, it is very real. It is a very real thing and you don't minimize that. You don't say that, hey, your faith or whatever you're thinking, whatever your feelings are about this space don't matter because they yeah. do matter. And, you know, they were, it, it, you know, this, this, this conflict that's been going on, I was thinking about it, like in our lifetime, we have, we have been born and raised in a world where Israel is the oppressors, right? Mm -hmm. That is kind of like the general, that is mm -hmm. the general feeling around the world, regardless of, you know, how, and you have to be careful about it because like you said, you have to be really careful with the language because what people love to do is take any sort of, you know, Jewish opening and mm -hmm. use it for anti-Semitism. Oh, that yeah. shit is extremely real. It's right? so real. It's so easy. Like it's, and like we talk about this all the time. I talk about microaggressions, macroaggressions all the time. I talk about racism all the time. I talk about when I like obvious misogyny. Anti-Semitism, like I would be fucking lying if I said yeah. that when growing up in the spaces that we grew up in, that I never yeah. heard it. Of course I heard it. I heard it all the time. And there is this like, there is this, the one, the fucking, what was it? The, what got stuck in the Suez Canal? That boat? The boat, yeah. Right. There was like in Pakistan, they were like, they called it Israeli Jasusi, which is like <laughs> Israeli spies did this. And it's like, what the yeah. fuck do they have to do with any of this? Right. Like there is this like uh, and and when they say, you know, Israeli, like they're they are talking about Jews. Right. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It is. There is a tone to that Israeli. Right. Even yeah. the word Israel for a lot of people. It is. It comes with a negative connotation. Like we have to be aware of that, and that's in the Muslim world, um, yeah. and that's because of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Right? Yes. But I think overall, just in the rest of the world, also, like in America, people are looking. White people are looking for an opening yep. to be anti-Semitic. Oh, it's like yeah. how quickly people talk about like the financial markets or like mm -hmm. law and all this other stuff. They're Hollywood always looking to be Hollywood. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, I heard on this podcast called Chutzpad. Uh, nice. Yeah, I love that. it's very good. Um, it's uh, I heard on that that the reason why there are so many uh, Jewish people in Hollywood is because for a long time in the East Coast, they couldn't get jobs. So they moved out to Los Angeles. They moved out to the West Coast and created this industry so that there were jobs for Jewish people. And like, yeah. so this idea that like, oh, they control it. It's like, no, well, they had to fucking create it because 
that's what you all did. It's yeah. that's the thing, right? It's like, how can I get upset at somebody working their ass off and being successful? Like that's what it is. No, nothing gets handed to you. Yeah. Those people are in their positions of power because they fucking worked really, really hard for it. They were there before you. And also they had to change their names to appease you because you were you were scared of the fact that somebody has a, like a Steen last name. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. all nonsense. Yeah. So um, there's like, you know, there's obviously all of like you and I understand sort of that part of it. And then obviously for us, like what has been interesting for me during the uh this everything that happened on October 7th which is absolutely horrific what was interesting was i always try like obviously i know what i know but i always try to to understand what the other the folks on the other side are feeling or seeing and there's some people who are like outwardly just hateful islamophobic yeah. that i'm just like not going to try to to listen to but i listen and I watch and I read a lot of like stories or posts and stuff from people that like, you know, I I know are good people and they care about other people and they are posting a lot of stuff that I'm like, how can you still like, you know, I'll be honest with you when people post standing with Israel, when Israel is bombing Gaza, it is upsetting to a person like me because I'm like, what you're saying is that you stand for this country bombing this patch of land to smithereens and civilians dying, right? Yeah. But the thing that I've learned is that for Jews in the world, they do feel, a lot of Jews in the world, especially the ones that really always post I Stand With Israel, is because to them, what happened on, on October 7th is the worst, like, uh, amount. It's a, it's, a, it's the biggest loss of Jewish lives since the Holocaust, right? Yeah. It is a massacre. And so yeah. for them... This is the only country that has ever defended and prioritized Jewish life. It's the only country in the world that is defending Jewish life. So why would you as a Jew not stand with the country that is defending Jewish life? And then, of course, of like course. the next step of that is trying to talk to people who understand the Palestinian side of it. And they say, absolutely, you should always defend Jewish life. But I just don't want the defense of Jewish life to be at the cost of Palestinian lives. Right. So like. You're starting to, I'm starting to see more and more people sort of transition from that one side of I only want to stand with the country that is defending Jewish life to then slowly move over to I want to defend Jewish life while also protecting Palestinian lives or, you know, all of that. And then, of course, you have like the further, the furthest extreme, which is people who believe that Israel should be wiped off the planet, the the maps altogether, and all the exactly. land should be going back to Palestinians. Like that's not an option, ever. Let's just say it. <laughs> but like, yeah. and that's not. And honestly, it's actually not even an, an option with a lot of Palestinians that I talk to. So I I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, I used to be on Clubhouse all the time, and I used to yeah. listen to this like. Uh, clubhouse room where Israelis and Palestinians mm -hmm. used to talk to each other. And yeah. even on that, you would have Palestinians in the West Bank, Palestinians in Gaza that were like, no, of course we don't want Israel to go away. We just want to feel that we are we are treated like human beings within Israel. We want the right to move around within Israel. We want the right to yeah. be treated like citizens of Israel without giving up everything that mean that means to be Palestinians. Like, we don't want to give up our homes. We don't want to give up our land. We want to be able to be treated like 
the Jews of the world. But I also understand that idea of a, of a people like the Jewish people who have been persecuted for so long to want that desire to be prioritized by somebody. And so the reason I'm saying all this is because like, obviously, um, my perspective is always has always been pro-Palestine, free Palestine, always with the Palestinian people. I'm very anti-military of any kind. I'm very anti-nationalism of any kind. But I'm trying more and more to understand the Jewish side of things as because I need to unlearn like my own reaction to when I see people post like I stand with Israel. You know what and, I mean? And we need and we need to kind of clarify that also because I think we understand that I, I think you and I, especially being in New Jersey, especially the fact that you're in West Orange, I think I, like the interactions that I've had with Jewish people, my best friend in eighth grade was Israeli, Zeb Wapnierski, yeah. I hope you're well. Um, <laughs> you know, and that was, that's a year after we came here, right? That's yeah. a year after we came from Saudi Arabia. And again, going back to the way that we grew up, the way that we viewed Israel and the way that we not just Israel, the way that we viewed um, Israel and as an extension, all the Jewish people, right? I was like, listen, that, that, like, that, 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 that thing about like Israel being wiped off the, the face of the planet or whatever, that bullshit that goes around in Iran and, you know, different parts of uh, the Middle East or whatever, um, as a way to kind of gin up excitement for political parties and because that's honestly all that it is no practical no logical person believes that that is a true thing that is not going to happen that is not anything that is you know morally justified in happening it's nothing but a way to excite people it's a way to excite people by like you know kind of appeasing to their religious fervor so anybody that does that bullshit is an asshole right but, but also, also they feed into the people who will carry exactly. out uh, horrible acts of terror exactly. against Jews. Yes. And also it what it does is it kind of gives the people on the fringes, like not, I mean, I won't actually say fringes. I think just regular religious Muslims, right, that have, okay, that see the oppression of the Palestinians. Um, and mm -hmm. again, we've, in our lifetime, the, you know, the story of Palestine and Israel to us has, always just been one where the Israelis are the oppressors and the Palestinians are the poor people that are being oppressed. Um, and there are practical reasons why that's true, right? Like the Intifada started in like the 1980s and what we've seen of, you know, happen in Israel, like politically speaking, especially in like the last 20 years, is that there has been a shift to like more right-wing policies. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, I think... I, I started down on this road because I think you were talking about like trying to get a Jewish person's point of view. I think getting a Jewish person's point of view is important, but also getting a Zionist point of view because mm -hmm. Zionism to most people um, in Islam in like the Muslim culture is still viewed as a very negative thing, right? Mm -hmm. They are just like, Hey, this land did not belong to you. You were just, you moved your way in here and you took over land from like Arab people, right? That is the story that we're told. That is it. So it's, you know, you can be, you, you can be anti-Zionist and still not be anti-Semitic. Um, but I also see a lot of people using their anti-Zionism 
to step into their anti-Semitism. Oh, yeah. You know I mean? It's like, just like so coded. We, yeah. Exactly. So that's the thing. Like, yeah. I have to be honest with that, right? Yep. While I know that the movement itself, like the idea. So one of the things I want to talk about, and we're like all over the place, but was sort of this idea of critiquing institutions or systems versus mm -hmm. critiquing people. And I think yeah. that it's really hard when it comes to something as sensitive as this, when it comes to anything, when it comes to race, sexuality, sexual orientation, uh, gender identity, all that stuff. When you start to talk about a group of people and, and you question the group that they belong in, that they are privileged to belong in, right? So when you talk about white supremacy, White people get offended because they're like, but I'm not a white person who hates all black people, right? It's like, okay, but you're yeah. still a white person who benefits from the construct of white supremacy from the – like, or when I say – when I talk to you about the patriarchy, you, you know I don't hate you, but because you belong to and you, you, are, uh, you are a recipient of the privilege of the patriarchy. Me? I'm a, I look like a father to you. I'm a patriarch. Come on. <laughs> no. But you know what I mean? Like, because you yes. are benefiting from the patriarchy, you are part of the patriarchy. You are benefiting. Yeah. So Dong's like, out. huh? What? It's a dumb Dong's out. <laughs> you know, so like, even as, you know, Zionism, right? For if you look at it from the Palestinian perspective is this idea that these people wanted to believe that the the Jewish right to self-determine was more important than anything else. And they drove us out and there was a massacre and millions of people were displaced and they continue to be displaced. And Palestinians are refugees and that's all they've ever been. Yeah. They have been treated like absolute horseshit from in the West Bank and in Gaza. They have terrible leadership. I want to also point out the fact that the Arab states do nothing for them. So it's not just up to the Israeli people to figure out how, how to deal with the Palestinian problem or whatever. Every none, Nobody cares about the Palestinian. And that's like the, that's the thing that I always go back to is like there's bombs dropping on Gaza and there's nobody coming to save them. There's nobody coming to save them. And that is the thing like that as Muslims, we've always – heard right like you have to pray for the palestinian people because there's nobody there to save them and it's like a it's a truly tragic story but going back to like the systems that people belong in if you look at the perspective from a palestinian they think about zionism as this like truly evil idea that came in and moved yes. these people and gave them the right to be superior to the palestinian people and treat and, de and dehumanize them and continues to treat them horribly and occupy them and oppress them and for a lot of Jewish people who have been raised to believe in Zionism, that have been raised to be Zionists, they are currently, I, I've spoken to a lot of my friends, they're struggling with sort of that idea of I do belong to this institution yeah. that I do benefit from and I enjoy the benefits of this structure, of this system, but I also have to recognize that something in this system is putting down a whole other group of human beings. And I think that remembering that is like really important when we talk about these things because you have to make sure that like you're very clear because like you said, you start to talk about Zionism and then it bleeds into Judaism. Yeah. You start to talk about how you feel about the system of of uh, uh, this political system or this political institution of Zionism. And then it goes to, well, how you actually feel about Jews in the world in general. And like, yes. you have to be very careful because it is so interchangeable. And, and I think also because it, Israel is 
for a lot of people in the world, the only represent, representation of Jews because most other countries aren't very nice to Jews for them to live there yeah. anyway. Yes. So. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's a lot there, man. There is... <laughs> I... Um, I'm trying to think. Okay, so like... So when it comes to like we have to be careful in how we talk about things. Well, actually, let me go back. So, you know, when it comes to being a Zionist and wanting a land of your own and feeling a connection to that land and the struggles and I think just the freedom to call that land your home, right? I get the, I get like the emotional pull of that. I get the relig- like the religious pull of that and all those things, right? As Muslims, and I think this is just like as liberals in America, and I think this is this is the reason why it's even a conversation at this point, right? Because again, what happened on um, on October sixth was Seventh, heinous. Yeah. Yeah. October seventh was heinous. Mm-hmm. Like there's absolutely no justification for it. I don't care what level of war you're into. There is no reason for citizens to experience that type of terror in their home right? Mm -hmm. It is terrible. The reason why this is a conversation is because for some reason, people are more comfortable with a lot of people dying with bombs than people getting stabbed. Like Mm -hmm. if you hear a thousand people die because of a bombing, somehow it makes it less personal Mm -hmm. than somebody stabbing seven people. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the it's reason like you're not why making it's... eye contact with like the person that's dying. It's like you're Ex- it's like you get to you get to turn that person into a number rather than an yeah. actual human being that you had to like go and aggress against. It's exactly. almost turns into, well, I dropped the bomb and the person was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Exactly. And I think that that's yeah, that's the reason why it is a conversation is because we as I think especially like because we like we live through the Iraq war and Afghanistan and like we've seen I think a lot of people who grew up in the last 20 years also have kind of gotten like desensitized to that level of death it's it's incredible right like I think like I'm thinking of like um because last week that uh that Natalie Holloway ladies murderer finally confessed and I'm like we've been talking about this for 20 years about Mm -hmm. one person right or like the killings that happened in Iowa and stuff like that right there are literally millions and millions of muslims that have been killed with bombs over the last 20 years right yep um and just like we have to be careful in how we talk about israel versus zionism versus jews and you know all of those things like there is some straight up bullshit that happens in the media when it comes to talking about Muslims, right? Yep. There's, you know, yes, the the actions on October 7th were heinous and they were disgusting and all of those things, right? That does not mean all of the Palestinian people are savages, right? Yeah. They call, the, like, the American, the Western media is very, very open to calling those people, you know, people that are terrorists, you know, but I don't know, I don't know how... I don't know what 
the official standing of Hamas is, but I think it's a terrorist you know, in, organization. Yeah, and, you know, sure. I think I think we would both agree that it is a terrorist organization, right? That is what I would call it. Yeah. Again, I have not lived in Palestine. I don't know what it's like to wake up in the morning with the very real possibility that I'm going to be bombed out today. Yeah, right? or is- to wake up in the West Bank and have a very real possibility that settlers are going to put guns in your house and draw you out and you're going to be homeless tomorrow. And that's the other thing, right? So it's like, yes, I do believe I, I understand the pull of Zionism, but having Americans just move to the West Bank and move into somebody's house that has been living there for 500 years is fucking bullshit. That yep. is bullshit by any measure, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why there is all of this. I mean, there's passion on both sides, right? Well, it's also because there's the the other thing I've noticed in just trying to understand um, both perspectives is that uh, there's a lot of dehumanization, man. Like we we obviously yeah. talked about like the way that um, even the way like uh, October 7th is still being talked about in some um, mm-hmm. circles, some liberal circles is like, well, it's like going into conspiracy theory land, right? I'm like, well, I've never seen that, all the names and all the people and aren't, can we even believe yeah. it? And it's like, no fucking yes it happened 1400 people died and they were slaughtered and they were killed and it's fucking terrible and also over 3000 have died in gaza and yes. and since october 7th almost 100 have died in the west bank where there is no hamas so like yeah. there is there is this um I was thinking, I was reading about, about the intifadas, the first one and the second one, and then what what's happening right now, right? And I think a lot of times the thing that the world remembers is there was an uprising. There was an uprising. Why? But it's like, why was there an uprising? Why was Why did these things have to happen? Why did yeah. suicide bombing become the thing? And it's because the, er, the erasure of the Palestinian history has always been there. Like, I think it's a huge difference. Like, I, I'd say for me and you also, like, wouldn't you say that in the last like 20 years, this is the first time that like we're even hearing Palestine and Palestinians yeah. being yeah. used at all in 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 line with like civilians or like um, bringing aid to Palestine from like a political body? Like I don't remember ever hearing anything about Palestine from any of our political leaders un- until maybe Obama. And even that was like brand new that that was even they were even acknowledged as like. Or at least since I know it happened in like no, the nineties and the eighties, exactly. but like it was just it's not it's not something that's been in the forefront. Exactly. Um, and even, when especially even when it comes to war. Exactly. And you know, even like you know, in this country what I realize is they when they talk about that conflict, they talk about Jews versus Arabs. Right. Yeah. It's just one of those language things. Mm-hmm. It's like, is it really Jews versus Arabs? Or is it Jews versus Muslims? Like what are we talking about? Like that's not it's not two ethnicities, right? Like the thing that separates them is the religion. So why would you just not say Jews versus Muslims, right? Or you can say Israelis versus Palestinians, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we want to be accurate, let's be accurate. Or if you want to, if you are going to insist on calling them Arabs, then, you know, you'd say migrant Europeans versus Arabs, right? That well, they're is, not all. And I, yeah, but, exactly, yeah, but that's know, the but thing, they're, they're not, not all that. Exactly. But yeah. that's the thing, like... uh language again language is so important because like because of the language that's being used it's very much feeling like post 9-11 america right now like a six-year-old boy was murdered to death by his landlord um in chicago 
another Palestinian is currently, I think, um, in the hospital for being like brutally beaten or like hit over hit by a car. Um, Sikh people are being under are under attack. I think a um, an elderly Sikh man died in Queens last yeah, week. It, it's being a uh, it's uh, the family is insisting that it be called a hate crime, and that is. You know, that is the stuff that pisses because the first murder, the first hate crime that happened after 9-11 was a, was a Sikh guy in Phoenix, right? Yeah. Who people thought was Muslim. And that is like, that's the most upsetting part. Like, it's like, this is how stupid your racism is that yeah. you don't even fucking care to find out what the person is. You yeah. just see an image and you, and that is exactly what like hateful language. That's what it. That's what the result of all of that stuff is. Yeah. So that's the reason yeah. you got to be careful. Yeah. Um, and then also things. just this week, Samantha Wall, I think her name was, she was a Jewish leader also in Michigan. And she was actually like heavily actively involved between uh, Muslim and Jewish communities. She was found stabbed to death outside of her home. One of the things I also want to bring up is that like when the attack on October 7th happened, right, mm-hmm. obviously that this was horrific, right? And I will say immediately what you started to see in a lot of Palestinian circles, a lot of Muslim circles was, um, you know, support for the resistance of the Gazan people. The idea that Gaza got to break out of prison. We're watching Gaza break out of its open air prison. And you see people saying free Palestine, you see the flags and all that stuff. If you are a Jewish person in the world, and you see an entire group of people celebrating a massacre, right? Even if they're not celebrating the deaths themselves, even if they're celebrating this idea that Gaza got to break out of its prison, the only thing they're going to associate your freedom, your liberation movement with is that your liberation movement is dependent on the deaths of the citizens of Israel. That is how it's going to get associated. And then from that point forward, you're just going to have people who, no matter what you say, no matter what you say, they're going to say, well, the resistance, the Palestinian resistance is bound to the deaths of Jewish people in Israel. Like that is how it gets, it's going to get conditioned. And it's hard for me to sit here and say like, it's messed up. And that's like, not what you should do because I don't know what it's like to be Palestinian. I don't know what it's like to have grandparents who weren't able to go back home. Like, you know, our dad is unwell and he, before he got sick, would talk about going back to like Bangladesh or like India and like seeing the places where he was born. It breaks my heart that we can never take that, do that for him. But that's one person for me to have generations and generations of family members who I know, like in Gaza right now, 47 families have completely been killed by Israeli airstrikes. They're dead. 47 families are dead. Whole families, grandparents to grandkids, everybody's gone. I don't know what that kind of unrest is like. I don't know what that kind of rage is like. I only like, I only know from, you know, like the the conversations that I've had with friends, but I understand like the reason why I'm bringing both things up is because I understand that level of fear. I understand that level of aggression. And my thing right now is that like, we can't just keep doing the cycle that we do where we keep ignoring the suffering of the Palestinian people and we keep bombing um, and we keep using violence to resolve or to get, uh, you know, the right kind of revolutions going. I don't know. It's just like, it's hard for me because I just, I don't want people dying. 
it's and, a it's a crazy take. I don't like genocide. <laughs> I think about you know what I would do if I was a Jewish person, and you know, not being a Jewish person and having you know like kind of the luxury of being of like looking at a situation and thinking that hey, I would act like in a logical way, or you know, I'd, I'd be practical or whatever is bullshit. But I do think about how would I react, right? If I heard fourteen hundred of my fellow countrymen were and women and children were massacred in this way, right? And then the next thing that I saw were was people openly celebrating. And there were some people openly celebrating, right? I don't know if I would have the wherewithal not to say bomb every last one of them. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Because I know I know like what like religious um passion feels like. Right. Mm-hmm. But the thing is Dropping bombs on Gaza and the West Bank, the only way that Israel is going to be successful with that strategy is if they completely dismantle all of Palestine. Mm-hmm. That is, if they completely kill every Palestinian that is in that area, that is yeah. in that that you know that that is in those areas, because when you don't do that, what because. When you sorry, when you do that, when you drop bombs on people, when you cut off, you know, lifelines and things like that, what you get, the result is you get Hamas, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And the more that this stuff is going to happen, it's going to be like ten Hamases. Yep. Right? That is what happens, and it's not because one side is more violent than the other side. It's because one side is the underdog you know it's what every single fucking movie is about like yes you know the people that call palestinian savages and like non-human and all this other shit like look at the numbers that is savagery with like a suit on you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. that is savagery with laser guided missiles yeah but it's still savagery it's still people dying it's still people being denied important life resources right so that's why it's just important to just be honest like have an honest conversation unfortunately i don't know if there is anybody like obviously i don't know what the solution is because none of us do if we had a solution we would have we would have had a solution right what i do know is extremism on either side is terrible it's always been terrible Yep. What's happened with Israeli politics over the last 20 years with Netanyahu and, you know, them moving, shifting more and more to the right and having these very right wing policies that dehumanize Palestinians is that it is creating more and more heartbreak and anger and frustration, which we know what that cycle looks like. We know yep. exactly what happens in that cycle. And that's not yeah. good for anybody. So, oh man. How do you think it's Joe just, Biden is handling it? You know, I thought about that. I get 100% what he has to say and act the way that he has to. I, and I also think that, you know, when he came, when, when he landed in Israel and he showed the Israeli people that they had a friend and an ally in America that would absolutely not stand for any anything like October 7th, mm-hmm. 
I feel that that brought people a sense of calm and a sense of peace. And I think in the overall picture, that is good. I don't believe, I don't feel like he has said enough to about the plight of the Palestinians, but that's mm-hmm. just because I, I, I may be biased in that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I also understand that he has to, he has to, like he has to kind of maneuver this or he has to walk that line. Right. I think the way that the Democrats are going to handle it is Joe Biden is going to stick to his line as he has to, because America is Israel's ally and -hmm. America has to support Israel. At the same time, I think you're going to have people like Barack Obama and other liberals kind of add more to the narrative. Yeah, they're going to do a little bit more of like the they're going to do the cleanup or like the exactly. The... Exactly, because dropping bombs on Gaza and West Bank is bullshit. That is yep. not anything that is going to help anybody. Yep. You know? Yeah. I also think that there is this component in America that, like, we often forget, or maybe people don't forget it, but I have not heard anybody talk about it, which is that if America is to start pointing out all of the humanitarian wrongs that like all of the uh, human rights violations that Gaza, that Israel has done to the Palestinian people in the West Bank and in Gaza, I think that Israel would be in its right to say, all right, America, let's open the books on how you've navigated the world, the entire existence that you've, the entire time That's, of existence. Yeah, I mean- that's it's like, not something that is no, that only Israel can point out. The entire world can the point entire world out. can point it out, right? The shit that America has done in the 20th century is yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Like, let Let's talk about Yemen. Let's talk about Iraq. Let's talk about Afghanistan. Like, let's talk about literally about every the entire Cambodia fucking world. Yeah, Cambodia, and like Nicaragua, and all the tyrants and dictators that we supported because they helped uh, the U.S.'s cause. Yes, exactly. So I think that there is this thing, probably right, which is that. Uh, America is kind of uh, playing in shit. <laughs> and then if America was to point out to the other country that's playing in shit, hey, you're playing in shit, then that country is going to be like, well, what the fuck? I'm also doing exactly what you do. So I think like as an American, as a Muslim American, as a liberal Muslim American, as a Democrat, there is this like I've seen the shift right of a lot of people saying like and we you and I talked about it when we were talking about like uh, homophobia in the Muslim community America and like how we see that shift towards the right wing. Only thing I want to say is that Muslims, I don't care how mad you are at Joe Biden, it's not going to be better for you if you vote in a Republican. Like if you think that Joe Biden is like spineless or whatever for what however he's been handling all this stuff if we had a republican president we would not be getting there would be no acknowledgement of the palestinian people like there would be no acknowledgement of what's going on there would be no ask for humanitarian aid like we would have nothing so as frustrating as this is and as much as it feels like this isn't enough in america this is pretty much the best you're gonna get right now anyone that thinks like that anyone that thinks that because they're conservatives and they have some sort of like religious pull or whatever that they are more welcoming to muslims is a fucking moron yeah like that is the dumbest shit in the world like you know there there are these people that think that oh you know what no i get it i'm smarter like i'm smarter 
yes, you know, I'm too smart for the Democrats. The Democrats can't get me because, you know, they, you know, they, they're just going to try to get me by being like fake woke and all this other bullshit. But I'm actually smart. I'm a Republican because at least those people will give me the truth. No, bitch, you are setting yourself up to get fucked over. Right. Yeah. And the other thing, actually, because you brought up, you know, the pride stuff. As Muslims, as pro, as as people that are pro Palestine, right? That are that have a heart for Palestine, that have that 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 care about the people there. What we ask of people is that they look at the whole story. Mm-hmm. We we tell people, hey, October seventh isn't the start of this. This has been going on for years and years and years and years, right? In the same vein. While we're here in the West, comfortably living in the West, let's kind of keep that energy about the social issues over here too, yes. right? Yes. So when you are an asshole that is complaining about wokeness because you don't like a gay book in a library, bitch, that wokeness is the reason why you were left okay after 9-11. Right? Yep. Be honest exactly. about the world that you live in. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's this amazing um, author. They're a trans author named Sim. They are a Jewish trans author and they've been like really blowing up on Instagram about um, uh, Palestine and, you know, navigating Palestinian, uh, understanding the Palestinian freedom movement while being a Jewish person in the world. Let me tell you, a lot of Muslims that were very transphobic are posting a lot of their content. And I'm like, hmm. Hmm. So, I don't know. I say this just because like people aren't just in binaries. You you can't write people off by just um disagreeing just because you disagree with one or two things that they like you just everybody like the biggest thing that I've seen in this is like we have to see the humanity in people, man. We have to see the fucking humanity in people. Everybody has a reason for why they believe the way that they believe. And if you talk to them one-on-one and you understand that they belong and they belong to a system or an institute that benefits them, and they probably belong to it because it's easier for them to exist in it than for them to try to break out of it, you will just have more humanity for that person. It, it just, you have to try to understand why people choose to stay within the institutions that they stay in, and even if that institute harms other people. And Trust me that once you bring in those those glaring obvious like harms to that person's attention, I don't know anybody who's like, yeah, you're right. Well, I think that that's fine. That's just how it is. Like if you talk to anybody about the, you know, anybody with sense, I should say, they're going to understand the other side of it. And that's important to like have conversations and all of that. And that's the reason why like. I mean, not to toot my own horn. No, oh, once again, I must point out no social media. Okay, because what well... social because what social media does is that the algorithm knows what it is that you want to see that will make you feel okay, that will comfort you. And when people are angry, they want to see stuff that is going to make them angrier. They're, yes. They they want to see stuff that dehumanizes the other side. They want to see stuff that. Uh, has conspiracy theories about Jews, right? That's the reason why everyone needs to fucking disengage. Also, like, who's on Twitter anymore or X or whatever? Isn't that site, like, dead? I am. 
still get are you gonna pay elon a dollar a month are you no 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 let's not get crazy here no no you're about to give elon a lot more than a dollar a month no no i'm not i would never if if that's what this website comes to where they're like you have to pay a dollar or whatever a month to use it i'd say no no thanks fuck off i'm gonna go back to threads okay how is threads uh you know last i checked they weren't um, there wasn't like a GIF catalog, which is really getting in the way of my oh, my yeah, posting. I need a lot of GIFs. Yeah. Gonna really need you to increase your GIF library. I'll say the one person that is a very aggressive Threads user, your husband, does not send does not send Twitter links. He only sends Threads, and it's like, dude, he's, who you who you shooting off for? Come on, he's so sweet. Who you shooting off for? <laughs> you know how you said that everybody's shocked that you're forty. Mm-hmm. When we travel, people literally, waitresses and stuff, will literally come over and be like, can you believe it? This guy is 40. And it's so embarrassing because they're just like shocked. They're like, oh, my God, you're 40. And those are your kids. And I'm sitting there <laughs> like a lump of moldy bread. They're like, hey, I'm waiting. I'm just looking at them and smiling. I'm like, maybe one of them will pay me a compliment. Nope. They're like, you're so sweet. You brought your, your grandmother with you. <laughs> <laughs> is that your mom is that your mom <laughs> anyway let's move over to britney spears real quick i just want to share this <laughs> okay. listen i want to end on a high note um britney spears um has a memoir out it's called the woman and me as read by michelle williams i want you i want to play you a clip of, is this the woman uh, this- and me a song, but it's not a Britney Spears song, is it? The woman in... Is that a Shania Twain song? Hold on. Mike, I need to Google that right now. The woman in me song. That's a Shania Twain song. It, it is. is. Look at that. Look at you. Okay, anyway, I'm going to play you this excerpt because mm-hmm. I think that it is great. Okay? His band in sync was what people back then called So Pimp. They were white boys, but they loved hip-hop. To me, that's what separated them from the Backstreet Boys, who seemed very consciously to position themselves as a white group. NSYNC hung out with black artists. Oh, come on. Sometimes I thought they tried too hard to fit in. One day, Jay and I were in New York, going to parts of town I'd never been to before. Walking our way was a guy with a huge, blinged-out medallion. He was flanked by two giant security guards. Jay got all excited and said so loud, Oh yeah, foshes, foshes, genuine, what's up, homie? After genuine walked away, Felicia did an impression of Jay. Oh yeah, foshes, foshes, genuine. Jay wasn't even embarrassed. He just took it and looked at her like, Okay, fuck you. (laughs) Hold on. Jay is Justin Timberlake? Yeah. How are we allowing this man to still have a career? I like to listen. Justin Timberlake, I really appreciated Future Sex Love Sounds. One of the best. One of the best. I like the first one too. I like Justified also. It's Justified, right? The first one? I think so, yeah. It was called Justified. I don't know. I really, I tip my hat to you that you had that post in sync career, right? But like, the last 10 years have been pretty like eye opening, right? It's like, it's like, it's okay. You had a career. It's good. You had a great career. Maybe <laughs> it's time that you're not in the public eye anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's yeah. time. 
Remember when other, his album yeah. his album yeah. came out in 2018 and people were like Justin Timberlake is rebranding as a white person? Yeah, as man a white in the woods. Male? Yeah, man in the woods. <laughs> what are we doing? Um, the other thing that came out in the book was that uh, Britney Spears got pregnant by Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I saw that. And that she did have an abortion, and that he she would have been fine having his baby, but. He did not want it. So they agreed that she should have an abortion, which I'm like, you know what? Good for you, Britney Spears. That's fine. But I will say this. After like soon after that is like when the cheating happened and then they broke up and then he went on Barbara Walters and he said that they were having sex and then he made Cry Me a River and all of that. And like if you get pregnant by your partner and then you go through something as big as an abortion and then you your relationship falls apart and then you break up and then that person goes in the public eye and talks about you and makes a video Mm -hmm. about you being a cheater and all of that that's gotta fucking suck man fuck you justin timberlake you anti-vaxxer piece of shit yeah and also he pulled off uh janet uh jackson's press and then completely hung her out to dry yeah and then got invited back to the super bowl exactly and also he's probably the worst part of the social network um i've never seen that movie yeah you're watching the movie you're like oh it's just justin timberlake being annoying in the middle of the movie does he say oh yeah foches (laughs) foches genuine people are like people are like michelle williams deserves an oscar for Michelle Williams as Britney Spears as Justin Timberlake. You know, it's interesting that it's Michelle Williams because when that Hit Me Baby One More Time, that was the first song, right? Uh-huh. Uh, when that song first came out, people talked about, and I remember thinking this also, she looked a lot like Katie Holmes, who was the co-star on Dawson's Creek, right? <laughs> yes. Dawson's Creek, a show we talked about the last time you and I spoke. Yeah. Really making a resurgence in our lives. Yep. Um, anyway, congratulations to you, Brittany Jean Spears. Oh, I thought Apparently... you were congratulating me on my Umrah. Oh, no. <laughs> nope. Um, Brittany Spears, the highest pre-orders ever. Broken uh, yeah. Harry, Prince Harry's frostbite penis. Move over. <laughs> Britney Spears is coming in. Yeah, she apparently three million people um, pre-ordered his book, and nine million pre-ordered Britney's. Nine people, nine million people who are fans of Britney Spears know how to read. <laughs> First of all, it may have been an audiobook, and also, yeah. fuck you, that's messed up. <laughs> how dare you? <sighs> anyway, what a heavy episode, huh? Yeah, lots to unpack here. Very sad. Sorry about the 49ers. You had to fucking bring that up as if I have not suffered enough. Um, okay. Yes, the 49ers have lost two games in a row. Um, you remember I wanted to watch uh, a 49ers game in London? Oh, yeah. I actually found. I, so I was walking around um, the city that they call, which mm-hmm. is like the financial district. And I saw people in a 49ers jersey. And I was like, hey, were you guys watching the game? So apparently the 49ers are huge in London. They have official what? watch parties and stuff like that, right? Wow. Yeah, so under Tower 33, if there's any 49ers fans in London, under Tower 33 they have a watch party, but you need a ticket for it. And even if there's even if you have a ticket, 
you usually can't get in because it's always overflowing. Anyways, I could not watch the 49ers that day. And I'm glad I didn't because I would have been really upset in the manner that they lost. They lost on a missed field goal at the end against Mm -hmm. the Browns. Mm -hmm. And then more uh, embarrassing for me, especially on this podcast, they lost to the fucking fraud Minnesota Vikings last night. Oh, my God. No, don't do it. I'm sorry. Of all the teams to lose to, those motherfucking frauds (laughs) with their motherfucking quarterback... Kirk Cousins, they should just sell the team. And I'm actually happy. I'm happy that the Vikings won because now they will keep limping this season when they should really sell everybody off because it fucking sucks and they're never going to fucking win a thing. Oh, wow. Uh, that was are just the for, Vikings that was just to the 49ers the way the Giants are to the Eagles or the Cowboys are to no, the No, no, not at all. There is there is absolutely no, oh, no it's relationship. Just you. It's just me. It's just a me thing. No, and it's a shame because like I love Minnesota. I've been in Minnesota. <laughs> my my favorite, you know, by the way, congratulations to the Las Vegas Aces for winning the WNBA championship. They were my team this year. I think I pointed that out at the beginning of the year. Uh-huh. Um, but my favorite all-time WNBA team is the Minnesota Lynx of the 2010s because yeah. of my girl, Maya Moore. Uh-huh. Right? She was in it. And then there were some other, uh, Simone Augustus, uh, Lindsey Whalen. I uh-huh. know my Minnesota Lynx. So it's a shame that I can't get along with the Minnesota people. Having said that, the Vikings are motherfucking frauds this year. <laughs> and they will, if they make it to the playoffs, they will crash and burn again. Thank oh. you. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll be back later on this week <laughs> to talk with Arthi about Real Housewives of New York and Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And just general Bravo things. A uh, lot of lawsuits in Bravo. A lot of lawsuits. Oh, should I watch yeah. any Bravo? Is there anything I should be watching? Anything good that you can recommend? Um, I've been watching a show that's not on Bravo, and it's scripted and it's ended. Oh, what's it called? It's called Sex Education on Netflix. Sex Education. Who's in that? Um, Emma Mackey. Oh, that's the one that looks like the Barbie lady. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. She was also in the Barbie movie. Have you watched the Barbie movie yet? I have not. Okay, well... I've also not watched Oppenheimer. It's okay. Honestly, I'd watch the Barbie movie again over Oppenheimer. Yeah, I think I missed the boat on the Oppenheimer because I was supposed to watch it in IMAX and I just never got around to it. Yeah, I think... I'll never know what it's like. I think that Oppenheimer will be one of those movies that eventually you will watch and be like, man, that movie is amazing. I wish I watched it in the theater. But the Barbie movie, you're going to watch that shit all the time. Am I going to be annoyed at the Barbie movie? You think? No. You think I'll see no. the? No, it's delightful. It's just too go watch lovely. it right now. I'll give you my Prime contact, my Prime login. Just watch Wait, it. Wait, do you have I to rent it? Because uh, I have Prime. You bought it. I bought you it. You bought it. I already bought it. I purchased it. All the it. problems in the world. You think that the best place to spend your money is to give it to fucking Mattel and Amazon? Mm-hmm.